Hello and welcome to the podcast, Big Thoughts, Small Sides, where I will be interviewing some of the best coaches in the game to delve into their coaching minds and find their use of small-sided games in their elite performance environment. Today's interview is with John McCarthy, who is the Assistant Manager of Southport FC First Team. John made over 700 career league appearances as a player, as well as 18 appearances for Northern Ireland. John joined the backroom staff at Chester before taking the managerial job following the dismissal of Steve Burr. He then went on to Port Vale working as the fitness coach and is now in the position of assistant manager under Liam Watson at Southport. Before we jump into the conversation, if you would like to follow the journey of the Big Thoughts Small Sides podcast and blog, follow my WordPress blog page, Big Thoughts Small Sides. Without further ado, here's the interview. Yeah, I'm going to walk and talk because there's a couple of, I base a lot of my training on a couple of couple of articles. I, mean, I didn't realise you were going to do this, but they are, I guess you'll have seen them. So there's two, there's one in particular, I'm just walking to my folder, so there's um, there's two in particular that base a lot of their training on small side of game. Oh, right, okay. And I don't, and I don't use, was that in my head, that I yeah, train fitness, and I always had, always wanted confirmation of what size pitches. Yeah. Can be used what size areas, yeah. your rondos or your games or your four. If you got four like four v four, what size size did you pitch be? Maybe three v three, it was two v twos. Yeah, and I almost felt like I'd worked this out myself, and and I'd had an idea, and then I found I found some actual academic work, which which really backed up what I'd done, and so from then it it sort of reinforced. Where I was at, I was looking for a forward so I can quote the article, but you might, you might know, it had, it had quite a big influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. my coaching, because uh, it was at the point where I'd always been doing this, I guess, I'd always had in mind from playing and doing the coaching badges, and I guess it's a bit more. Um, so I've had to write, I've had to write some article for Salford University, an online degree at the moment, principles, culture and learning, and he was talking about behaviourism and constructivism, whether you teach a coach-led or, or, or player-led. Yeah. And actually, I'm, I would always, I would always think I'm quite like, like behaviourist in terms of, I'd want to organise everything, plan it, do it this way, be this order, really structured and planned in my coaching. And yet, I'm always going to do other sessions that are that I think players are going to like. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So ultimately, everything that you do is player centred. Yeah. You want to do it their way, and yet in order to live, deliver it, you have to be like coach centred. So the whole all of that argument, you know, I, I, I don't quite understand. I think you have to be both to do it, but which is the one? So strength and strength and conditioning for. Soccer players, who is it? Turner. Um, just have a look at that. So it has some definitions, but provided tables and it has a good introduction about high intensity interval small side of games and tells how you introduce them into your trends so that you don't end up actually doing any run. You don't have to do the normal run. Yeah. So, what was the type of stuff that I picked up on? So, if you are doing no goalkeepers, quite small pitch dimensions a man would be anywhere between 20 
how how do Rondos in eight eight eight, eight yards by eight yards? Yeah, and now progress almost twenty by twenty, and then thirty by thirty. And actually, a lot of what I would do would be to start with almost like a large overload. So a Rondo, perfect Rondo is eight feet two. Yeah, sometimes it's seven feet two. I would wear a nine feet two, depending on what numbers you have. You know, but perfect Rondo eight feet two in a small area, eight yards by eight yards. But I would give the players on the outside one or two touch. So they can have one or two touch. So it's a really small area. But because the level of players have a southpaw, they can work that. Yeah. They can work one or two touch without it being too hard work for the two in the middle. So it's a really small area. Lots of touches of the ball. And really, it's the creating the elements of the game. Can, can we create the triangles that we want? And, and the Rondo creates that. So can we play through people? Can we play round them? until we we get them disorganised in the middle so there's a gap between the two of them and then play through yeah. just that thing and start all those sessions with that gradually I've increased the size of the area it could be anything 15 to 20 yards 20 by 20 yards anything to 30 by probably not 30 by 40 30 by 30 yards depending on the numbers and every time I move up the game and it might be so many paths to create a ball so there's not much tactical element to it there's no goals at either end, but every time I increase the size of the pitch, which is still small, I slightly decrease the attacking overload. Yeah. So it might be, I don't know, 5v5 plus 2, 6v6 plus 2, whatever. So there's still an overload, so the session is always creating that chance where you have possession, you have a couple of extra plays, so it's always that thing about keeping the ball. But then the size of the area is not too big that a team can actually keep it forever and the others in the middle are just running, you know, physically running, they have a chance to win it. So it's 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 just the right size where it's not too big, where you could just defend forever. And yet it's big enough that if your possession is good, you can retain the ball. And then there's value in when you want it back to keep it and keep it. You know, so it's it's getting that level. So it'll be working in those areas and then gradually I get towards I'm working towards equal teams. Yeah. So it's on weekend towards equal teams with or without a goalkeeper, but usually finishing with a small side game that can be, I don't know, 60 by 40, 70 by 50, you know, and working that probably in the middle there, I would do any tactical work. So there might be some attack redefense in there just before that end game, but everything at the beginning would be rondo. There'd be some technical, almost like block practice stuff where it might be Bodies, half bodies, almost included as the warm up. There might be a passing rotation that just gets them to the level where you go a rondo into the next level of possession. But there is a common theme to it there. There's a big overload. It gets less. It gets less. Small areas, quite small areas, all throughout the session, gradually into a game. But just building on that theme, the smaller the area, more touches, more technical touches the ball they have. And then, and then the article always almost had it. So it would say that there's a limited tactical component to all the small games, but there's a high number of actions per player, yeah. high intensity, which I want in my sessions, increased acceleration, deceleration, change of direction. So you get all of the physical elements that you want. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then when you start to get into pitch dimensions, you know, 8v8 to 11v11, 11 in the direction there's goalkeepers then there becomes this much more high tactical component. Yeah. Yeah. Lower number of actions for the player, lower intensity, but you have that tactical element because, because putting the keeper in there 
means all of a sudden people go into positions. So, and that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. But I'd sort of worked around coaching when I was less, less experienced. And you make making me a few mistakes. And but, but my background in playing sort of the games, I enjoy almost as I'm planning and assessing, almost oh yeah, I'd enjoy that. Players will enjoy that. And it's, it's always that it? you don't want players to come off not liking the session. So if I put any shape or any standard stuff around or set pieces, I'll do all of this work and then put in 15, no more than 20 minutes shape or technical or tactical work and then finish with the small side of game. And that would pretty much be the structure, just changing the theme or the points that I want to make. But it was this article that set it up and had all the rules. So I don't know if you... Would you know that? So I give you some kind of references. So it's called Strength and Conditioning for Soccer Players, and it's Anthony Turner, Middlesex University, Queens Park Rangers Football Club. Where is it from here? Well, so it's from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. All oh, right. Strength okay. and Conditioning Journal. Yeah. So find that, and actually, so there's two. There's another one. Um that I would have it's called Optimising the Use of Soccer Drills for Physiological Development. So that is Thomas Little, Shepherd Wednesday the Football Club. And again, that was a strength and conditioning journal. Now, these two articles I've got in front of me, they're still highlighted from the time I found them. And actually, they have a load of tables in that have the drill parameters for 2v2s, 3v3s, 4v4s. All right, okay. And I remember... And I went, so get get those two. And when I saw them, well, they they made sense because they, 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 they put it in paper form, everything that I was doing. And I thought without having it backed up, right, this would be the right size and everything. And actually it confirmed to me that people had done some actual academic work on it. And it, and it was like, ah, right, good. It yeah. almost confirmed, oh, I'm doing the right stuff. That's where it felt like. So, like, so look up those two. General articles, I'll try and find some links. So if you can't find them, I'll try and find some links and sell, send them to you. But that is, that's, that's me. Yeah. That would be, that would be exactly what I do all the time. Every session, changing, changing the pot, the, the possession or the rules or the slightly changing the size of it or, you know, or the overloads. But it's, it's, it's a similar thing yeah. all the way through. Um, kind of looking at kind of um, in your environment what do you believe the benefit of the small side of games are like even as, apart from on the ball purposes so you, you know we've touched on all, you know you know your high engagement technical high engagement um, you know your physically physiological factors of you know being in and around the ball constantly moving um, but kind of looking at team building enjoyment you know what else would you use the small side of games for so it's players and players enjoy Players enjoy the possession, possession games, yeah. and it is that it is that build up in the game. They they enjoy. So it's almost if you get the, if you get the right size games, there's lots of touches without without lots of running in terms of real yardage. Yeah. But others, if you get the, the intensity right, you get the size right. There's lots of like sharpness. Yeah. Yeah. Stop and change your directions, turning with a really high technical element. So it, so it is those things. It's the ones that combine most of the things. You would still need, you still need some of that fitness, but that comes if you add 
the larger games yeah. with the tactical component, component in the end that provides the opportunity for you know, full-backs what needs to overlap to make those runs you know for the midfield to be covering more ground yeah. so so actually it's, I guess it's it's a high technical component yeah really yeah. intensity and it covers a lot of the a lot of the agility movements yeah. You, you, in the game, the sharpness and the technique. Yeah, that's it. And it's yeah, it's possession. Yeah, possession in football. Yeah, which is key. Yeah, yeah. Kind of looking at through your throughout your coaching journey um, on call different qualification courses you've done. Um, did yeah. tutors kind of highlight small set of games as a useful training method, or is it something that that you've kind of recognised within day to day coaching? Yeah, so it's, so it's, it's, it is that balance. So I would have. I have that contradiction where I would have I've come a lot across in coaching uh, some managers and and co- uh, coaches who were like I ain't got the badges or you don't need the badges to, to be able to play a in a session and they'd almost be quite dismissive of, of academics yeah. you know and I also see the other side I see academic coaches who've gone down and picked up the qualifications where they would be going they would be saying, oh, it's rubbish, yes, I've got more qualifications than him, but I can't get a job because he's been in football. Yeah. They've got the football experience. And actually, I would argue that the answer, the answer is somewhere in the middle. If, you, if you've been in football and you've got that work-based learning, that experience, then get a qualification. Because the FA stuff will give you the structure, the organisation and the language to be able to teach, coach better, teaching is coaching, yeah. You know, it does it does work? You could you could be a better coach, better manager if you added the qualifications. Yeah. Every now and then you've got to go back into learning. I've been on the other side where where sometimes you, oh, I've got enough qualifications. I just need to go out and coach or practice. But then the other bit of it is, um, the, as I said, the academics will argue, I've got more qualifications. Why why do I not get that job? And yet the, you can't underestimate. The experience that you have of either playing or being being in that like real coaching environment. So yeah. if you've got some qualifications, you've got to get and you can you can get yourself into academy structure lower lower down. You get in one of the younger age groups and be around to be there to watch the older age groups and then work your way up. And you've got to go in and do that and be around some. Is it real football? You think I don't want to be like condescending or anything in that like regard but, but that real academy competitive you know with that football environment so so that, so there's both the argument were, works both ways yeah it, it does definitely but yeah I still I got a lot from the what was, your, what was your initial question I hope I go off track a little bit and <laughs> um, kind of did tutors highlight small side of games as a useful training method nah. or did so you pick it up so they didn't so so the level two, the level three, the A license, level two, level three, it's more than four, so it wasn't level three, um, was eight the eight. And then when you did the A license, it was phases of play start with 12, 13 plays, and you had to build it up to full on 11 v 11. So there wasn't that. Every the, two, the, the level two was great. It started to give you some of the first real principles of, of coaching, you know, delay principles, um, attacking principles, defensive principles. It started to give you those, but they're in 4v4 games, and it's quite stop start. So there was never, there was never loads of touches and the intensity of the play. It was more about, it's more about the principle yeah. of the coaching and getting them across. And then when you went to 8v8, it led itself to more 
let uh, UEFA be in some phases of play, and but it was still it was still the element of the structure and the stop starts. You never really got that, and and right up to the A license, so they never really gave you that bit about. Somebody I heard somebody explaining this or. Roy Hodgson or somebody like that, they'll step in, Sam Allardy will step in and do that bit, the real shape, this is where I want you when we haven't got the ball, this is where I want you when we haven't got the ball, and then he talked about, and I'd hire entertainers to do the other rest of the stuff during the week, where they put on sessions that the players would enjoy and make, keep them sharp and that, so you never really got that bit, which is the possessions and the small side of games, which gives players that technical element, but they are probably most of the sessions during the week yeah you know where you're giving players that so they that isn't on the courses it, it, it isn't there it isn't there but, but should it be there yeah yeah maybe yeah. yeah maybe there should be there should be an element where they're saying actually you want a lot of this and then you add this bit around it maybe there's room to be said look yeah, play, yeah definitely these possessions and this this gives them so it should be you know, especially level, these, are, these are the techniques that get. No, this is the game where you just let it play, but they, but they almost can't because it defeats the object. Because in those things, you you, you do you do just let them play. Maybe it's, it's the level. Maybe it's the level I'm at. Because I've got players that are older, and they've almost they've got themselves to a level technically where they where they're good, and and I can I don't have to coach them the real basics of technique. You know, actually, it's it's more about a. A manager's principle, you know, what does how does the manager want them set up? Yeah, you know, positionally, defensively, and work and working through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of looking at um, the small set of games. Do you believe that they can be translated into the bigger game? If if so, oh. why? Yeah, so it should it should be that it should be that that Mourinho that tactical periodisation stuff. So it should be every time you train, there should be some elements of what you are trying to do. In the training, yeah. so even if it's even if it's the rondo, and it's and it's the overload, so the, so the rondo and the overload, I would say, so it's that it's that transition we've we've lost the ball and we win it back, and our our style of play would be quite direct itself, but if you just as soon as you win it, you go big to somebody in behind. Yeah, you're playing against a possession based team. You're usually just giving them the ball back. There needs to be. You'd still be direct, but it needs two or three passes. Yeah. Anywhere between two and five passes. So as soon as you win it back, and it should be just to the nearest people, it almost could be bang, bang, bang. Two, three, four passes where you still you still invite the, their defenders to almost high press. We would talk about you've got to pass to break their press. Yeah. Now if you just if you just control it and every time you're just gonna go behind, their transition into defence can be just to run back and deal with it and defenders pick the ball up and your your players have been defending in transition haven't got a chance to get into forward areas yeah, take yeah. advantage so, so when you win the ball make two or three passes it could be up to five and then at that point can you go direct so two or three quick passes right have we dragged some more of their defenders in as one of our players made a run to get into it somewhere where we can play forward and then do it but if you just did it forward straight away you usually give the possession away and if you make two, three, four, five and there still isn't a direct pass on then keep it <laughs> then yeah, keep yeah. it for a bit and go, go down the other route so so yeah there should be there should be elements of it yeah. in everything and, and that you that usually is minus you start to get bigger so you can always pass through people pass, pass around them 
And then actually, as you start to increase the size of the areas, when somebody plays the first ball over the top, and quite often you have a keeper at either end, that's positional rondo stuff that Pep does. So the moment somebody goes from keeper to keeper or plays a longer one to somebody on the end, they started to play beyond people. Then you can go, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. You play a couple of passes, drag them in, and then go beyond them. You've got to create the sport space with the passing to then play direct. So, yeah, you can. And you, you always look. It might not be a lot at my level, but it just might be to reinforce. It's not like working with the kids where you really have to embed the ideas. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, but you should be. It should be in there. There should be some coaching in there, even if I don't have to go stop, start, stop, demonstrate. Right, you recreate it, and I would never be doing that with my players. But you can, you got the principles in there, and you can mention it to them almost as a commentary over the top when they do it. Yeah. So that it, so it's almost like a well done. Yeah, that's good. That's what we want to do. Yeah. Do you where where do where the small sided games come in priority list of of training methods for for yourself? Hi. Yeah. In terms of so, in terms of time in training. The most, they'd have the biggest percentage. So if you're talking about, in terms of importance, I guess for me, I'm quite, so defensive organisation, I would think would be, might be right up there as the most important for me. So actually in terms of coaching and creating a base that everything else would come from, the most coaching I would do would be on defensive shape and defensive organisation and really embed those principles and start with them. Yeah, and then you can come back to them all the time. Have a bit more, um, allow players to express themselves in attacking areas. Right, go and do what you want when we've got the ball. Yeah, but when we lose the ball, get back here. And if the ball, they're crossing the ball in here. You should be here. You should be here. You should be here. So in terms of importance, I could argue that defensive organisation might be the most important. But then in terms of actual amount of time I allocate over a season to my sessions. And small side of games are the most important. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Kind of. Do you believe that the small side of games have benefit for technical and tactical development? And I know you, you kind of mentioned before that maybe not as much tactical development for the yeah. rondos. Limited. Yeah. Limited, limited tactical. Yeah. More technical, but there's almost, and it, and it just it just progress. The big, the bigger the area, as you progress and it starts to increase the area, then the more, the more the tactical element. Yeah, comes into it. Yeah, yeah. So it just it just is. There's more opportunities to do it, and it just happens in the game. But then, the more you put keepers in, then it becomes tactical. Yeah. The moment you give it an a direction, if you give it a directional element, it becomes tactical. If you increase the area, it becomes tactical. You put keepers in and goals. Yeah, it becomes tactical. Yeah. Um. Kind of. What What's your key reasoning for using small sided games? Um. I guess I'm coming back to that. So it's Is it kinda of, would you maybe use it as say if say if the players have played on a Sunday and then they're playing again Wednesday, is it a good little thing for them to do maybe on a Tuesday, Monday to get back in and just use them all use them all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every session. Every session. Every session. So if if it was a real recovery session, it would be a lot of the rondo. So there's not yeah. real running, but it's getting them moving again. And it might move into a it might move into that some of that positional rondo. Maybe it's a a forty-four plus three. Yeah. You know, in a small area where they don't actually do much physical work, they get a lot of touches in the ball, but there's some there's some elements of active recovery. Yeah. In there. Yeah. 
but actually there's always small side of games. Yeah. Everything so it does it does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You realise how important they are. Yeah, definitely. Um, what yeah. what type of player do you believe? Do you believe sorry benefits the most from from the small side of games, or do you believe that kind of different players will get different outcomes? So you know, you might have your, your right back who's who's getting a lot of one v one outcomes, whereas you know your number ten is looking at getting in the ball in different little pockets. It's got yeah, it's got it's got to be mid, it's got to be midfielders and attackers. I think it would get it yeah. would get the most most benefit. Yeah. From that, and, and I, I, more so now, more so now defenders. So as as more teams are, are adopting possession-based games, then then those central defenders who, who might split wide are expected to get on the ball and then play into pockets of space. But but still, the type of pass that they're expected to play is is longer and maybe under less pressure. So unless you put them on the end of a possession game without where they're almost free to have the ball it can create it where they're having to play between the lines yeah but but in small sided games it's not that so that is that midfield yeah that intricate more intricate play and yeah might be wire players who are coming inside into a pocket to yeah. receive it so I think, I think it, it, there's got to be more of an emphasis on midfielders and attackers if I just sit back and think about it yeah, yeah I think yeah. kind of what kind of fits hand in hand with what you're saying that you know, your most, you're probably your biggest priorities. You, you know, your defensive organisation, and then in the small side of games, you're kind of letting your, your, your players higher up the pitch, kind of, you know, do their learning in a way, yeah. so you kind of get the best of both yeah. worlds, aren't you? Yeah, but and I suppose hey, the, the the higher you go up, the the pyramid, the they're probably able to do all of it. The defenders can do can, can do all of this. They've got that technical element, and yeah. So, but but yeah, there's still there's still got to be a distinction there if you. You're saying they'll get some more benefits. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be those people who pass the ball in the morning. And the statistics would back up that it would be the central midfielders who would have the most touches of the ball, wouldn't it? So yeah. it's got to be them. Yeah. Definitely. Um, just just playing small sided games aligned with the club philosophy. Uh, philosophy, for example, kind of does so it, does it represent how the club might play on a match day? Um. So so Liam's Liam. Wasn't just play quite quite direct style of football, but he is, and, and sometimes the, sometimes the players can get. He would want them to get the ball forward, and he wants to put the ball in the box. And so, as a coach, sometimes there is a contradiction. But it's not it's not because of Liam, because actually, you know, he lets me do all the coaching. Yeah, and he would never he would never say that oh, I didn't I didn't mean you to pass the ball. He would get frustrated with them if they passed the ball. For passing sake, yeah. So, and I think Pep would be quoted as that as well. Yeah, yeah. Pep yeah. Your, so Pep, but Pep would be, Pep would be moving it from side to side, keeping it when maybe in the lower leagues, you, you know, if that happens a lot, people could think it was for passing sake. Yeah. Um. Whereas you're actually trying to create an imbalance, some defensive. Uh, Lack of organisation, so you can find a gap that you can play through, and then and then go direct. But so so I think there can be just a just a difference difference in in understanding. So it would be at this level, you wouldn't you wouldn't want you wouldn't do as much of it. There'd be very few clubs that are doing much of it, and, and plus supporters could could have that frustration as well. There's, there's some there's some level of education. 
So as it's happening in the in the Premier League and the people who watch Man City and see a lot more of, of that. If you go to that every week, then you sort the supporters learn it as well and go, all oh, right, this is how we play. Yeah. If you've watched grassroots football, non-league football, you want to see as much of that. So if suddenly you see somebody doing that, the ball isn't going in there. Then that that will come from the crowd. They'll get a little bit frustrated. So there's some there's some elements, there's some education level level. You have to be brave to do it over and over again until the supporters see the success and go, oh, all right, yeah, I get it now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's, that's how we play. That's what I applaud. That's what I, I recognise and I don't get frustrated with yeah. with, with that overpassing. So, the, so there's, there's, and there's just elements of, there's elements of quality. Higher up the pyramid you go, people can retain possession better. And, and, and the lower down the pyramid you go, actually, there'll be more turnover ball. It will be just be given away more, so they won't be able to do it as well. So yeah. we can all watch it on the telly and see Man City do it and think we can do it. We think we have the players to do it, and there's some realism to, yeah, it's a great principle. We should be all trying to do it, but we might not have the players to be able to do it all the time, so it might not be effective. Yeah. Well, what kind of what, what do you believe is crucial to being successful in the small side of games? So you know, you we you talk you talked about your midfielders and your strikers, kind of. What are you looking for from them to be successful in them games? Um, so, so it's hard. So in, ter- in terms of the question, so you, so I'm trying to see, so you won't be successful in small-sided games. You know, you can understand that. Yeah, yeah. If you're really good at small-sided games in training, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. So I almost have to apply that to to an to an element an element of the game and I think from for my bit it it is that yeah it is that it is that first that first point at which you win the ball back it's very important for me so that's break down ball that second ball right win it and then give it due to the next available out of your corner of your arm and give it the next available colour shirt yeah. then the next one then the next one the next one and gradually every pass becomes should come a little bit longer you create a bit more space and people have and people have pulled away. Yeah. I suppose you could then say to if you have a if you're playing against a team that has a low defensive block and they've just set themselves back and you, you have a lot of possession outside, just outside the right in yard box and you're playing across wide trying to play through. So that so that the specific elements of the game where where that, that could happen. But but just that and 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 every, and every time you do that, I get well, I can't put, but I guess I guess that would that would be stuff that I would have to, I'd have to take the small side again, and 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 almost create an an overload, yeah, six v six in a, in a, in like a, a phase of play just outside the eighteen yard box. So it doesn't it doesn't translate specifically, and yet if your players become better at keeping the ball, if your players become technically more proficient. They're going to be better players, and that will have some. That is going to have some influence on the game, but there's not a direct correlation. If that makes some sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, you know, just you play lots of small sided games. You have to. You have to then create. You couldn't just play small. And yet, I, say, I suppose if you went back to the days when Liverpool would say, "Oh, we just did five sides and we won the European Cup," and see if we go back to that level, there would be quotes about soonness and that. Oh, we just play five sides. Yeah, and we did that, but actually, but actually, they were, they were just 
they were a very good place. Yeah. They were a very good place and they hadn't come at would it work now? Yeah. Like I said, because everything has moved on the level of learning and the game has moved on. They would come across much better defensive systems and shapes. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's a. It definitely has some benefit, but it's not a direct. Small side of games are not a direct correlation to success. Yeah. Because I think a Roy Hodgson or a Sam Allardyce would argue if you just went out and did shape, 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 players would have a real clarity to what they do. Yeah. And you can, and they can have some success that way. And it might, they might, in the old days, they might just have a five side on a Friday, but they could, could be successful. Yeah. It wouldn't be much fun for them. As as a coach during during these the small side of games, do you kind of just step in or do you leave? Is it player led? No. Not with the play, players I've got. No, that's that's them to play. You're you're, you're refereeing. Yeah. And, and you're refereeing. You're counting passes. It would get really competitive at my level. And if I'd miss some stuff up, if a ball had gone over a line, or I give the ball because loads of balls on the outside, I'm going. Ball goes out, keep it going again. Yeah. If I give it to the wrong colour, or they feel it's the wrong colour, you know, they regain the possession. If I pass it to the wrong person, if I count the numbers wrong, we've got five passes there to go because of the competitive nature of them. So, so there's that. And, and, and there just is the, the recognition, so it's a well-known, well-done. Yeah. So when there's a... There'll be lots of turnover in those games. It's designed to have lots of turnover. But so when somebody puts five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and it's to recognise... You know, a really high level touch or a bit of vision or a pass, and you give it well. So that's you on the sideline, and you're almost trying to, with the with the speed of your talking and the, the intensity raising your voice, on what yeah, well done there. That's it. You almost create, yeah. trying to create intensity, yeah, yeah, and work it through through your voice. Yeah. Do you, do you use different coaching methods when playing the small side of games, or like like you said, is it kind of just Obviously, you'll take into consideration the players you've got and what type of players you've got. But is is there a different coaching method with within small side of games, or is it still just kind of down to the players? It's so you, so you you're creating the game, and and, and I guess in, in in those things I would set them up. So again, it's based around so I base things around. It might be one minute on, minute off. Yeah, and then or it might be two minute games. And if I want almost some some work, it would be I'd look at getting up to four four minute games. So a lot of the running and there and there in some of the articles, I think it's the time in which I'd always thought was right, and then it backs me up. So it might be in, in the small bit. It might be some eight on the outside, four v four in the middle. Yeah. One minute or two minute on, and your recovery's on the outside where the other eight go in, and then you rotate out and do it like that, and then gradually you're building up to four lots. The four minutes, which can be quite tactical and quite 
Ben Duran's based book, Coaching Coaching Styles. No, so I think the coaching styles stays the same in terms of so I have to call so player centered. Yeah. You know. Because I design everything in terms of a session. So my starting point is to design it so that I feel like players would enjoy it. Yeah. They still get the work, they still need to be told what to do sometimes, but it's the right balance of, of work and stuff that they'll enjoy. And yet I'm teacher centred, I'm coach centred because because actually I, I wanted to write that's just four minutes on there, break, one to the next thing. So my football geography is up, so we're on the next thing, we're on the next thing, we're on the next thing. There's no time for them to breathe, have a recovery, you just go next, 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 next. So it's controlled. It's quite controlled by me. So I'm quite, I guess I'm quite oh, autocratic in terms of, like, it's this now, now it's this, now it's this. We're doing it for this amount of minutes, it's doing it for this amount of minutes. There's a lot of planning to it. And yet, if we were, if we were doing, looking at a opposition analysis and working towards a Saturday or set pieces, I would say to them, they would, please, my God, I go, we've got, they've got a three-five-two, right? This is, we can press high and do it like this. We can do a medium block and do it like this, or we can go at the back, you know, low block and defend like this, and almost say, uh, give them the three options, man, yeah. and then let them like which ones do you prefer? Yeah. Which ones? So there's, so there's both. It's always both. And that's the bit I, I can't. I was probably more, and it's an experience thing. I was probably more behaviourist or coach centred when when I was younger. When you're not as experienced, and now where I feel like I can, because it's not easy being up there in a the coaching. If you, if you do something, when players ask you questions, when you're younger, if you're not sure you have the answers. Now I've gone through the situations. I feel like if somebody throws me at something, it's not going to phase me. Yeah, it's going to knock on me, knock me off guard. I'm not going to look stupid. I would have. I would have most of the answers, and so I'm confident enough to go. All right, let's go. Let's go down this. Yeah, what do you think? And listen to them and and add to it. So I guess I guess my change in change in coaching style is is experience rather than rather than related to the games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in terms of kind of session design. Sorry, last last question now, John. Um, yeah, no in, t- in terms of the session design of the small set of games, what, what are you considering when setting them up? So it would be, it would be, so it would be kind of some day, we're, we're Tuesday, Thursday night, Saturday at the moment, but we were full time for a bit. So there is some of that tactical periodization thing, right? Is it, when did we play last? Is it a recovery day? You know, is it, it, there is some element of the, the physical, what they've done, yeah. what position are they in to play. So then if it is that, it's still a whole small side of games, but smaller areas, you know, and it's and it's never building up to that four minutes on. I would do four lots of four minutes or two eight-minute games to finish, you know, two two lots of eight minutes to finish. Yeah. If, if they're in the, in the middle of a, a normal cycle between games and I feel like it's an endurance, they can have some work then yeah, I'd go to bigger areas and they would play for longer periods of time with less recovery. Yeah. So it's, it, would, it would be that. And the, and the time durations usually revolve around minutes, two minutes, four minutes, eight minutes. Yeah. Never any longer than that. And it's how many halves is that? Yeah. So 16 minutes would be the thing. Two lots of eight minutes, four lots of 14, or maybe two, four lots of two minutes. 
for a, a small possession game. Yeah. And it might be there might be six or four lots of one minute. You know, and and the, the less amount of time on the minutes, the smaller the pitch area. Yeah. And it just it just builds up. What I found interesting about that conversation with John was just how he simplified everything back to the big game and the standard Southport FC player. You know, he was so centred around the players, so so player-centred and knowledgeable around the use of small-sided games with the different research pieces. And just the way he spoke about them, how passionate he spoke about them and how they translate to the big game was just really, really knowledgeable and something I can definitely take away from that experience with John. So looking at how I can use this interview to my benefit, so I can start to explore the different uses for small-sided games in my environment. So as the games can be used to achieve almost anything um, in in terms of the footballing outcomes, such as playing off in the back, finishing the attack, the small-sided games are so versatile that whatever your demands are and whatever your outcomes are for that session, that they can be altered, the, the small-sided games can be altered in order to fit them outcomes into the the small-sided games which going forward is what I want to do more of um, and I'm looking at how I can develop myself and my players through this experience of the small-sided games but as we come to the end thanks for listening to the Big Thoughts Small Sides podcast be sure to follow the journey on my WordPress blog and also the podcast which you can find on Spotify and Apple Music once again thanks for listening to the Big Thoughts Small Side podcast